Parenting teens is hard. Parenting teens in crisis is even harder. And we live in a culture that is really good at hiding. See, we keep these struggles tucked in really tight around us. And so when something happens in our families that's tough and maybe even a little embarrassing, we feel like we're all alone. I promise you that you're not. But you definitely need a place where you can be a part of honest conversations that give a voice to the challenges you are facing. A place that normalizes the hard that we have to walk through with our teens. So I'm inviting you to join us on this path towards healing, where we'll discuss topics that drive out shame and teach us how to navigate the emotions and uncertainty that come with parenting a teenager in crisis. This twice monthly podcast is presented by Pathways to Hope Network, and we strive to do all of that while honoring the unyielding love a mother has for her child. Hello, friends. This is Through the Heart, and I'm Angie, your host and companion on this journey of exploration through these teen years and connection with each other. As we stand on the threshold of the holiday season, I wanted to take a moment to just speak from the heart. This year has been nothing short of extraordinary and it's all thanks to you, our incredible listeners. Your support, your engagement, and the sense of community that you've helped us build mean the world to us. I wanted to express my deepest gratitude. Your presence, your time listening, has made each episode, each conversation, a shared experience that transcends the digital space. In the spirit of this season, I've decided to take a step back and offer you a gift. A collection of our favorite episodes, carefully chosen to capture the essence of what makes Through the Hard special. These episodes hold a special place in my heart. Moments of profound connection with you, our listeners. It's my way of saying thank you and sharing the spirit of the season with you. So as you navigate the holiday hustle or find moments of solitude, I invite you to join me in reliving these cherished conversations. And I pray that they will bring you comfort, joy, and, and maybe even a little bit of a glimpse of the growth that you've had since you heard them last. I will be back with fresh episodes, eager to continue this journey that we're on together. Until then, I hope that you will savor these reruns and from the depth of my heart, I wish you the happiest of holidays. Thank you for being the heartbeat of Through the Heart. So then the question that comes up for parents is, okay, well, if my job is not to oh. protect and, and, you know, corral, then, then what is, what, what should I be focusing on? What is my most important job? To, so do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, that is a that is a great question. I think it's helpful to remember that control is an illusion 
So you really don't have the power to do what you're tempted to do, which is to fix everything or to control everything or to make it all right. You don't have that power. Um, the two things that come to my mind first are uh, your, your primary role is to keep the relationship connected. So in, in the best way to do that that I have found is to let the kid determine your role. So uh, because if you try to take a role they do not want you to have, if you try to put yourself in places they do not want you, it is not helpful. And so the worst thing that could happen is that the relationship ends. So you want to keep the relationship. So, uh, and, and again, I could be, I, this is where I have to say, I could be dead wrong here, but this is the priority I choose. Yeah. If I lose the relationship, I lose any influence. Right. So for me, preserving the relationship is the highest priority. And the only one, the only way to know how to do that is to get feedback from the kid. How would you like our relationship to operate right now? Where do you want me in your life? I don't want to invade a space that is yours. Mm -hmm. uh, neither do I want to sit here and uh, neglect caring for you in a way that you're really wishing I would. Right. So help me know how I can make our relationship what you need it to be, because I want relationship with you more than anything else. There's a book called mentoring it's the bible of of mentoring by a guy named bob beal and the opening uh paragraph of the first chapter says imagine if when you were 14 years old or 15 years old some adult you admire said to you uh, i see greatness in you and i would like to be a part of your life for the rest of your life and whether you end up in the white house the penthouse the jailhouse the poorhouse or the outhouse i want to be a part of your life for the rest of it you know, that's a difference maker. Right. And that's really what you want to say to your kid. Listen, wherever this goes, yeah, I'm your person for the rest of your life. How do you want me to play that role right now for you? What do you need from me? How can I stay connected to you? So I, I think that would be the highest priority. That way you stay in your lane. They can, and, and if your kid says, well, I need you to go solve all my problems. Well, that I cannot do. Yeah. That's where yeah. you may have to say, well, I can't do that part that you want me to do. Because you have to do it. Yeah. You're going to have to learn to crawl. You're going to have to learn to walk. And I can't do it for you because that would actually hurt you. Yeah. So, but that's the first conversation. The second one is just to keep them from despair. Because uh, you want to keep them from wanting to dive into addiction, to end their own life. So for me, the second thing, the first is keep the relationship. And the second is keep giving them hope. Not false hope, not artificial hope, not fluffy, meaningless hope. Yeah. But but saying, hey, tomorrow's another day. Just let's just make it to tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, there's going to be a day where this is in the rearview mirror. You can't imagine that now, but it's going to happen. Um, and just keeping them hopeful. Punishment is something that is done in anger, and it's very spur of the moment. Right. So a couple episodes ago, we talked about when you feel yourself having that reaction, what to do and how your goal is to not respond until you're in emotionally calm state. So punishment is something that's done in anger. That's it. Your phone's gone for the rest of the week or whatever you happen to be feeling in that moment. So punishment is done in anger. Discipline is done over conversation when emotions are regulated. So do you see the difference between those two things? Discipline is done over conversation when emotions are regulated. 
So their emotions are regulated, your emotions are regulated, and then you sit down and you have a conversation. And there's always two things that are present in the conversation. The first is that there's a lesson. And the second is that there's love. Okay, so there's a lesson behind the conversation and there's love. I, I said it all the time to the young adult, you're driving this bus. We're all in the seats behind you. We're going to say, hey, take a right turn here. Take a left turn here. There's a stop sign coming up. Don't, you know, don't go there. We'll give you some guidance and, you know, and, and support you, but you're driving it. Um, you're going to make those decisions and then we're going to support you. Or if that decision is the wrong decision, you make that wrong turn. I'm going to be right here to hold you accountable. And so when families, parents, support systems really buy into that, and because again, empowering the kid, empowering the youth uh, to make the changes um, is really important as well. So the, the youth is driving the bus. Parents aren't going to do that job for them. Parents are not on probation. Either son or daughter's on probation. And I always, you know, I always said, listen, it's gonna, it might feel like you're on probation, but you're not. And so you're not going to do the job for your kid. They're going to do it. And at the end of this, I would say to the young adult, you're going to be really proud of yourself because this is a big deal. This is a lot of work. I'm pretty demanding. Prosecutors are demanding. Judges are demanding. Our community is demanding. And when you do this and when you're successful, it's an, it's it's amazing. It's an amazing accomplishment. You screwed up. You made some choices. You're held accountable. You took responsibility. And then you're going to grind your way through the six months or a year or two years of probation. And you're going to do it. You can do the work. And at the end of this, it's going to be your accomplishment. And when a parent is able to do that and support that and, and take that at least half a step back, to let their young adult child um, do that work, then at the end of it, probation's not needed, right? And so that's the goal. Your kid's going to make the right choices, um, and we have a young adult instead of a little kid who's you know doesn't feel like he or she can make all the right decisions. So it 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 starts out as a as a negative and so many different ways. But when there's hard work and honesty and trust and respect built. The, the young adult completes probation and it's, um, and they're really proud of themselves. So in those moments when you start trying to figure out like, well, what am I going to do about this situation? Your posture is a posture of how do I stop this behavior? How do I control this behavior? How do I uh, minimize the damage, right? Like you're trying to put out the fire and that's, challenging to do. So during those times of seeking control, there's no opportunity for connection. One of the things that happens is that when these tiny fires appear, the sense of urgency that we experience within us overthrows what we know is important. So how many times have you reacted to a situation poorly and then thought to yourself afterwards, like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that or why did I do that? You know, like I totally lost my cool or I could have handled that differently. 
And the reason is, is because there's a sense of urgency about you and you want to put an end to the situation, at least the situation you're feeling internally as quickly as possible. And so urgency overthrows importance and the important things get kind of pushed aside for later because there's always something new that seems urgent. So what are the important things? If we sat down and had a conversation and I asked you, what do you want for your child? Initially, what you would want is for them to follow the house rules, to respect you, to not use drugs, to be safe in their vehicle, to go to school, to attend class, to try. Those would be all the things that you would want. But if we were to say, oh, okay, what if all of those things were being done? What would you want then? What would be important to you then? And what you would say is, well, I'd want my child to feel like they could come and talk to me when they're struggling with something. Well, I'd want my child to know that I love them. I'd want to have a good relationship with my child. I'd want them to feel like they're always welcome at home. And those are the important things. As I'm writing stuff down and journaling about it, there's definitely a side of it that is venting, yeah. but but more than anything, it's processing and right. trying to figure out and be better and do better. And I think it shows that you're trying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's great um, for me too. It it helps clarify my thinking. You know, when you have to write about something, yeah. I can think about it in my head. But if I start writing about a situation, you know, there's there's a lot more once you start having to write or type something out. And then it, it helps me to process it, like you said, at a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'll have uh, a lot of, I don't know if you say epiphanies or revelations while I'm journaling about something that most likely I wouldn't have had if I would just, you know, sat there and kind of been thinking or whatever. So journaling is a great way for us to clarify what's going on. Oftentimes it's a window into my own motives, yeah. my own heart. I don't realize, you know, what's going on in there until I start writing it down. Yeah. And like, why does that make me angry or why does it make me sad? Or, you know, what is that, what's that about that that gives me anxiety? Yeah. And as I start to write that down, I start to understand maybe a little bit more about what's going on inside my heart. Yeah. It's a wonderful tool. Uh, for that as well. You're talking a little bit about what I think is also a normal process, especially between boys and moms. I think that like when, when you're younger, there's the whole concept or the idea of like a mama's boy, your mom yeah. is kind of your person and you love on her and you hug on her all the time. And then as you get older, you're as a young man kind of pulling away from that. And so there becomes like this awkwardness in sharing how much to share of your life and, and what you share. Did you feel at times, like if your mom was unhappy with some of the decisions that you were making that by sharing more of what you might've been thinking would bring on more of those conversations that you were trying to avoid. Yeah. I always felt that, oh, it was just going to be, I'm in the wrong. And you know, what my mom tells me to do is the right thing to do, you know? And, yeah. um, 
I kind of just didn't want to hear that I was wrong. I didn't like being wrong. <laughs> I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure a lot, most people don't, but you mm -hmm. know, there's a point where you have to accept and learn from your mistakes and stuff. So being wrong isn't always, you know, a bad thing. You just, yeah. it, it just the learning and growing from that wrong thing you did. It's hard as parents to remember that because we just want to protect our kids from suffering consequences, but you're right. Being wrong isn't necessarily bad. And there is a lot of learning that comes when, when we do make wrong decisions. In fact, most of our learning probably comes from that. Yeah, for sure. the saying that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result? Well, sometimes as parents, we do that. I do that. I revert to the same tactics of worrying, of nagging, of arguing, of demanding, and it never works. And yet I continue to do those things. And that's the definition of insanity, right? We're doing the same things over and over again, and we're expecting a different result. So let's say, for example, that our reaction when we're triggered is to throw our hands up in the air, walk away and say, you know what? Do whatever you want. I'm done. That's my favorite line. I have heard so many moms say those words. I'm done. That's it. I'm just, I'm done. And I've said it more than once myself, but you know what the truth is? Never in the history of mothering, has a mother said, I'm done and actually been done. Instead, we say it when we're stuck in an emotional rut that we can't seem to pull ourselves out of. But our child walks away thinking, "Ugh, finally, she's done. Now I can just do what I want. Or maybe your reaction when you're triggered is more confrontational. Maybe when you're triggered, your default reaction is to confront your child right? So we stand in between them and the door. We try to take away something by force. We follow after them down the hallway with our voices raised, making sure they know that their behavior is unacceptable. In each scenario, something happens and we react unconsciously in the same way. They bring the stimuli and we bring the response, which becomes stimuli to them and they respond and then we respond and so on and so forth. But then one day you stop and think, I wonder if that would have escalated to the level it did if I hadn't followed him down the hall. I wonder if things would have been different if I had responded differently. Maybe there's something different I can do next time. And a beautiful new element is added to the scenario. Awareness. See, before you become conscious of the idea that you may be doing something wrong, you had to first have awareness. Awareness is a sign that you've reached stage two. You know, if we want connection with our kids, if we want true influence over them, then we don't get it by telling them, how frequently they're not measuring up to what's expected of them, they're gonna figure that out on their own. It's by having those conversations and seeking opportunities to connect and figuring out a way to overlook the disappointments that seem to happen on a regular basis. 
the way that we are able to find connection with our children is by first finding connection with ourselves. Who do I want to be? What posture does that person take? What kind of mom is she? See, we have to learn to begin to separate ourselves from the actions and and decisions that our children are making. Yes, we want to protect them. Yes, the fear of what could happen to them keeps us up at night. But their choices and their decisions for the rest of their life are going to be their choices and their decisions. And we have to learn to create a little space between our well-being and our ability to respond to high-stress situations in a productive way and their actions. I've given the analogy before of this idea that your child is on a kite. And if you've ever taken a kite to the beach before, you know that the wind is whipping that kite all over the place and you're on the ground. You don't really have a whole lot of control over what direction that kite goes or what happens, which way the wind takes it. You're on the ground and you're holding the string. But if you try and climb up and get on that kite, no one's holding the string. You're just on the kite with them, flopping around everywhere that the wind's taking them. Yeah, it's scary. You don't know which direction life is going to take them, but you are so much better on the ground. You are so much better when you are not allowing the wind to pull you every single direction. When you can be the calming force that's always consistent, that's always on the ground, the hands that are always wrapped around your child and being constant for them. Connection is our superpower. It's our superpower. The challenge with this approach is that a lot of times it feels like we're enabling in some way. If we don't meet the choices that they're making with negativity or with criticism, after all, if we don't send the message that what they're doing is not okay, then how are they ever going to learn? Well, life is going to teach them. Life will give them plenty of negativity and it'll give them plenty of criticism and it'll give them plenty of intimidation. Life is going to teach them. See, they're beyond the point now of you taking care of that every need, of you being the one putting the food in their mouth, of you being the one to get them dressed in the morning and out the door. They're beyond that point. And while we still want to protect them, we can't protect them from the negativity and the consequences that they're going to face out in the real world. But we can protect them from the negativity or the criticism they might face from us. See, we can focus on the relationship. We can focus on the connection. We can focus on the heart. If you were to stop and think for a moment about who the people are in your life that you have learned the most from, would they be the people who aggressively focused on your choices and your decisions? Or would they be the ones who worked at connecting with you and who modeled life for you without even knowing that they were doing it? Okay, friends. Well, that wraps it up for this week. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way. 
In complete transparency, I want you to know that I am not in any way, shape, or form an expert in the field of parenting. Nope, you are not going to find any fancy initials after my name. In fact, I'm just a mom like you who had to navigate some really tough experiences with my teenage kids. And in my own desperate need for hope and healing, I've spent a lot of time and energy researching and referencing all the things, because if there is one thing I have learned, it's that we're stronger together. Your ratings and reviews mean so much to me. In fact, they can make or break a podcast. So if you found this information today helpful, would you please take 60 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review? It would mean so much to me and the mama who hasn't found us yet. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's website and be sure to subscribe. At the beginning of every week, I send out Hope Notes, a note of encouragement designed to equip you on your path towards hope and healing. You can also find Pathways to Hope Network on Facebook and Instagram. Pathways to Hope Network is a nonprofit organization with a mission to serve families with teens in crisis by providing cost-free support, resources, and community. The link will always be in the show notes below. Remember, you were never meant to go through this alone.